0: put your hands together. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Welcome to the last week of a series that we've been doing called Unhindered. Uh, There's actually been 14 parts to this. It hasn't been 14 weeks because I've also been preaching it on Super Sunday nights. So uh, if you're keeping score, uh, uh, it's 14 installments or 14 different sermons. This is the last week. We're going to finish up uh, Unhindered this morning and uh, move on to some other things uh, coming up. Obviously, summer's Going to be on the decline very soon and we're going to be seeing fall come along and and then the place starts filling back up because we're constantly in the summertime having 15, 20 to 50 people a week out on vacations and and doing different things, families in and uh, you never know who's going to be here. Uh, We're running short staffed this morning. The media team's going to kill me here in a little bit because of how I'm going to open this service because they're already short staffed up there. But uh, we're going to pray that the love and compassion of Jesus will be upon them and and they won't get mad at the pastor, but <laughs> I, I do need you to pray for me, though. I'm going to be preaching tonight. Uh, a friend of mine has asked me to come and preach in Princeton, West Virginia. Uh, so it's about a five-hour drive from here. I got a, and service starts at six. Um, they, they have a great church there. They run about 1,200 to 1,500 people, and I'm going to be preaching a one-night revival for them tonight. So, uh, be, keep me in your prayer. I want I want the hand of the Lord to be on us. Um, I'm going to need strength to get there and, and, and traveling mercies to keep all the people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. All the people from causing problems on the road. So, uh, But this is the last week of the series that we've been doing called Unhindered. And we've been trying to uh, get our life unhindered. I'm going to start this service a little bit differently. Um, I heard a rumor that, um, Ed, wave, wave at me. Ed. That's you, Ed. There's only one Ed. Yeah, wave at me. I heard a rumor it's your birthday. Yeah, yeah, so see, it's his birthday. Now, it's hard for you to come to church here and not know who Ed is. Because he just throws himself in front of you all the time. So, a lot of you probably know Ed, but a lot of you may not know... A whole lot of other people because we've grown very fast. The Lord has has added to the church. Uh, it seems like every week there's new people. Uh, yes, Amen. It's it's a blessing. There will be three, four, five weeks sometimes go by that I won't see somebody, and I, you know, I'll say, "Hey, everything okay? Haven't seen you? Oh, I've been here." Yeah, I apologize, uh, <laughs> but sometimes if you sit up there, if you sit down here, I mean, there's there's five entry points to this building, and I, I don't always see you. I don't know if you're here. I don't know if you're not here. Most of the time, you know if I'm not here because I got a big mouth and a microphone, but uh, normally, if if you're not one of the team members that I'm working with every Sunday, you know, you, you could be gone, and I wouldn't know it, And and I feel like I'm probably not alone. I feel like you probably don't know a whole lot of people. That, that you go to church with anymore. So so, I'm going to do something this morning. Um, stand up, stand up, brother, stand up. Now, now, now tell everybody what your name is. Mark Reed. So this is Mark Reed, so you know that now. If you didn't know that, now you know that this is Mark Reed. Uh, what's your favorite food? Anything. <laughs> so now you know if you're cooking anything that he'd be a fan of it, so... So you know his name, and you know what his favorite food is. H- how long have you been serving the Lord? Almost 40 years. So, Amen. So now you know his name. You know what? It, you know he'll eat anything. He's got an iron stomach, and you know he's been serving the Lord for almost 40 years. So now you know that. Let's give it up. Thank you, brother Mark. Thank you. So now you know that. Now you, now you know that about him, and, and you may not have n- known that about him. Uh, stand up. Stand up, brother. Stand up. And, and tell everybody what your name is.
1: Anthony Brown.
0: So there's Anthony Brown. Now you know what his name is. And and what's your favorite movie? Ooh, there's a lot of really good ones. Um, I, I really like the Rambo franchise. Okay, so he likes Rambo. I didn't think he was old enough to know about Rambo. Rambo was around when I was a little kid. So, so now you know, it may not be your favorite movie, but now you know that Anthony Brown likes Rambo and Big Knives. And big, big, great, great, great big knives like Rambo. So, so, you, so you know that about him. And, and how long have you been at Promise of Victory? I don't know, about a year or so. So, so you know how long he's been at church, amen, this church. And, and are you married?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: And, 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 and she's not here today. I, I know that. Yes, yes, yes. But, but yeah, she's, she's not here today, and, and and do you have a baby that likes to smile a lot? Yes, yes. and, and, and so now you know that he's married and, so, and he's got a baby that smiles a lot, so now you know, it. so give it up for, for him. Some of y'all ain't never prayed before, y'all are praying, don't let him come to me, don't let him come to me. y'all ain't never prayed before. And y'all afraid I'm going to stick a microphone in your mouth and you are suddenly nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. There's somebody that likes to talk a lot. Stand up. Stand up. So what's your name? Cindy Roberts. Cindy Roberts. So give her a hand. And, and, And what's your favorite food? Ice cream. Does anybody else like ice cream? Does that bear witness with anybody else's spirit? Dairy free. So, da- dairy free. That's not ice cream. Whoa, it's all I got. That's that's like flavored ice. That's not that's not ice cream. Ice cream without cow milk in it's not ice cream. I don't know what it is, but it ain't ice cream. But okay. Now so so now you know what her favorite food is and you know what her her name is. So you may not have known that before. But now you know because you've been introduced. What is your favorite worship song? Ooh, favorite worship song.
1: Let's see. There's so many.
0: Gratitude. Gratitude. That's my favorite worship song. How about that? Yes, it is, too. (laughs) That's the only one that makes me still cry every time I hear it. It doesn't matter how many times I, I hear it. That makes me cry. So now you know what her favorite worship song is, what her favorite food is, and you know what her name is. So give her a hand. So. So now I want you to do something. If you're near somebody, I know we got a lot of people out of church and there's a lot of empty spaces, but if you're near somebody, I want you to tell a person beside you or behind you or in front of you, if you had an all-expense paid trip anywhere in the world that somebody would give you and you could leave today, I want you to tell them where, where you would go. All right, you're not really going. Calm down. I'm not paying for nobody's trips. Settle down. We're still in church. Some of y'all are like, Pastor said we could go. I'm packing. I got to go pack. I got a lot to do. No. (laughs) Now, do you know why I asked them those questions and why I had you share some information? Because in order for you to understand somebody else, you have to listen to them explain themselves and give you information that you don't already know. You, ha- you can only get adequate and perfect information from the source. There's all kinds of folks that's got opinions about you, but only you can really share the reality of how you feel and the information. A lot of people will start rumors about you, but only you can share the perfect information. So what we've been trying to do on Sunday mornings is find out more about God and what His will is for us. And and, and there's a lot of rumors about what God's will is. And if you watch, if you're one of these people that watches a lot of preachers on television or 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 the internet or things, you can get a lot of misinformation. Because they'll start rumors about what God's will is. So you and I need to talk to God, just like I talked to Mark, and just like I talked to Cindy, and just like I talked to Anthony. If you want to know about God, you got to go to God. And that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to get into His Word so that we can know Him personally because we want to follow Jesus closely. We want to represent Him accurately, and we want to learn how to pray effectively. Amen? So, so how do we do that? We've been trying this year to do two things. Increase our faith and make our prayer life unhindered. That's what our focus has been. Now, uh, we're going to do this one, one last time. Uh, I, it may not be the last time I mention this, this uh, scripture this year, but this is going to be the last time that we quote it together in this sermon series. Job 42 and 2 was the scripture that... God gave me at the beginning of the year to focus on for us as a church, and we have used it as the theme for this entire sermon series. It's only proper that we would quote it one last time together. Are you ready? Read. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be... That's right. So God's not hindered. How many of you in this room... Today's going to be different. I have a lot of instruction, okay? If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a lot of notes. If you're not a note taker, I'm going to give you a lot of information that's going to be very, very simple because I've been trying to ask God to help me uh, make things simple on Sunday mornings. Now, if you were here Sunday night, we had church. You know, sometimes we search the deep things of God. We went deep Sunday night, okay? And, and, and we talk about the sound and, 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 and the influence of the sound. And, and I'm actually inspired to write another sermon uh, pertaining to that. But that's, that, that sermon's not online. You can't go back and watch it again. You've got to be in the house to get those. Uh, but, we, man, we had church. God met us here in a powerful, dynamic way. And that's what we're using Sunday nights to do. But on Sunday mornings, I'm asking God to help me make things simple. Because I can give you a lot of religious words, uh, but they don't stick with you. So I'm wanting to give you things that are, are sound bites so that through the week you can recall them to your memory. Because if you're like me, uh, your forgetter might work good. Because mine does. Except my wife. Everything my wife tells me, I never forget any of that. But... um. She, she thinks I do, but I really don't. I'm just waiting on her to remind me to see if she really, really wanted me to do it. And, uh, and <laughs> help me, Jesus. So how many of you believe in the power of prayer? Let me see your hand. I mean, do you really believe in the power of prayer? Like, do you really believe prayer changes things? And the reason I ask that is because we're living in a world that sees no value in prayer. Absolutely, they do not. When a tragedy happens, like a, a shooting at a school or, or something uh, big, catastrophic happens, and people will start making comments, thoughts, and prayers. Well, the world that does not value prayer, they will scream at the church and say, prayer is not enough. And I understand why they feel that way, because they don't understand the power, nor do they see the benefit of prayer. But I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot of folks in church that don't really believe that prayer is the answer to changing their lives. The reason I've come to that realization is because we do a lot of things before we pray when we wouldn't have had to have done those things if we would have prayed first. And and so I'm going to talk to you about that this morning because I need you to realize that when you pray, you're not communicating with a preacher. You're you're communicating with your creator. You're talking about the person that spoke everything out of nothing and made it all that it is. Do you realize there is no higher power than the one that you have an audience with when you pray? There is no greater privilege, and there is no higher court for you to appeal to. When a believer prays, They have the audience of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you pray, he listens. When you pray, he moves. When you pray, God himself responds. People will abandon you, fail you, let you down, and even outright neglect you. But when you pray, you have an audience with the God of the universe where he is unhindered. But the problem we have is not that God's not able or that prayer doesn't work, no. Our problem is that prayer, if it is weak in your mind, your prayers will become weak. However, if your prayer in your mind is not, has nothing to do with the devil, it has nothing to do with resistance from hell, it's all about what you believe. Do you have faith that your prayer works? Because I'm here to tell you that if prayer becomes powerful in your mind, I mean if you become absolutely convinced that when you talk to your heavenly Father and you are asking Him something that is in His will, there is no power on earth or in the supernatural world that can stop that thing from happening. So the real problem is not that prayer doesn't work. Our problem is we don't practice it enough. And when we do practice it, we don't have confidence. I've been using that word throughout this whole series. And we're, we brought it full circle. We don't have confidence that it does work. Statistics show that only 68% of people who claim to be Christians pray at least once a day. 68%. Of that 68%, many of them say they don't pray over three minutes. A day. Only 2% of the people surveyed would say that they're very satisfied with their prayer lives. And a great percentage of them say that they have a moderate to a low satisfaction. I want to ask you a question. What kind of relationship would you have with your spouse if you spent three minutes or less talking to them every day? What kind of relationship would you have with your children? What kind of job would you be doing if your coworkers and your boss only got 3 minutes of work out of you a day? Would would you expect to get an entire paycheck if you only worked 3 minutes a day? Some of you're like, "That sounds like a pretty good plan, pastor. Do you know where if they're hiring?" But think about it. 3 minutes or less and only 68% of believers say they even do that. So we have a problem not with the the uh The power of prayer, but the application of prayer. Yet Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, leaned on prayer. When he walked the earth, he was able to walk on water. He was able to call the dead back to life. He he was able to speak, and demons would jump out of people. And yet, Jesus leaned on prayer to be his source for his power. Jesus talked about prayer frequently. He practiced it consistently, and he demonstrated it constantly. Jesus prayed alone. He prayed in public. He prayed before meals. Read your scriptures. You'll find he prayed before he made big decisions. He prayed before he healed the sick. He prayed before he raised the dead. He prayed to find his Father's will. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He prayed at the Last Supper. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. And I even catch him one time praying for you and me, even though we were 2,000 years into the future. And there's a reason that Jesus was so involved in prayer, and it's this. Prayer changes things. Now, there are some things in my life that cannot be explained. Let let me help you. There are some things in my life that had it not been for somebody praying, I would not be here today. There are things that have happened in my life that were completely supernatural. I can see the thumbprint of God on that moment in my life. That had it not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. But it wouldn't be in a pulpit preaching the gospel. I would probably be in jail. I would be in a a, a mental institution. I would even be dead. But I would not be here with you fine folks on a Sunday morning. But when the enemy was against me, somebody was praying for me and their prayer, changed and altered. Do you see the power of prayer? They changed the attack that the enemy had on my life. So so, so let's first talk about what prayer isn't designed to be. Don't raise your hand and don't look around. But do any of you have somebody who's always asking you, pray for me, Pray, pray for me, pray for me? And they're not really asking you because they're sick. They're not really asking you because they're depressed or fighting some kind of enemy. What they really mean is they're living a life far from God, and they have a lot of shame and and regret, and they want you to pray for them because they know that they feel bad about how they're living, but they're not going to change nothing. Ooh, it is quiet in here. So I'm the only one that knows these people. They only contact me. Now I know why they're always asking for me. There's people that will ask you to pray for them all the time because they want God to help them, but they know they, sh- they shouldn't be talking to Him because the way that they're living, they have no intention of changing. So what I want you to understand about prayer is this. Prayer needs to stop being a last resort for you because we need to develop a prayer life that helps us prevent the spill, not just try to clean up the messes that we make. We need a prayer life that is proactive instead of reactive. We need a prayer life that when we, just like Jesus, when we walk, we know that we're walking out the will of God for our lives so we're not constantly under attack from the enemy because we have bombarded our atmosphere with prayer. I'm going to take my scriptures this morning, my opening scriptures from Luke chapter 11. And Jesus is going to teach us uh, some things this morning, and I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as I can because I do want to get to the outline and give you as much as I possibly can about how to pray uh, in this way. The message title this morning, I've kept it secret until now, is How to Get Bread at Midnight. How to Get Bread at Midnight. Now, we are talking specifically out of Luke chapter 11 when it comes to this this title verse one says once jesus was in a certain place mm-hmm. do you see that it's just me is it? lord heal their blindness in the name of the father son holy do you see that jesus was alone in a certain place i asked that because i'm gonna come back to it jesus was in a certain place praying as he finished one of his disciples came to him and said lord Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Okay, stop right there because you're already ahead of me. You're already quoting it in your mind. You know this, but I want you to to hear what Jesus just said. This is how you should pray. Now, we're going to go through what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer, but we're also going to go beyond it because a lot of times we think that Jesus' little outline that we're going to break down here in a few moments was all he said. But he said some other things about prayer that often gets cast aside and we don't think about. This is what he says. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield To temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer. Stop right there. Do you see that? We often stop right there and say, this is what Jesus said about prayer. But it says here in verse 5, teaching them more about prayer. This is important too. And this is the part that nobody ever talks about. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow 3 loaves of bread. Mm. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. This is my wife right here. This is Amanda Mitchum right here. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> As a man, Actually, that's my voice because she wouldn't say nothing. She'd be going, go tell them to leave. So it would be my voice coming through the room, but it would be filtered through the will of my wife. Verse 8 says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. Because of your shameless persistence. Did you hear what that said? That said he won't do it because he likes you. He won't do it because you went to school together. He won't do it because he wants to be BFFs. But if you won't let him go to sleep, if you knock long enough, he will get out of bed. Now, we don't talk about this, and this is what Jesus, he said, teaching more about prayer. Verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking. Yes, look at your neighbor and say, keep on asking. Yeah, yeah. See, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Stop right there. Is that true for you? Is that true for you? it's true but is it actual no this is why we've been preaching about being unhindered because when we know it's truth but we don't see it in our life something is hindering it but the Bible plainly says keep on seeking you will find keep on knocking door be open to you for everyone who asks receive everyone who seeks find everyone who knocks the door will be open and if God is not hindered then that means something else is The disciples asked Jesus, hey, John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach teach us to pray. Now, y'all should pray for me. Y'all should pray for me. Because if I was a disciple of Jesus Christ and I had seen what they saw, I don't think my first request would be teach me to pray. No, No, I would have probably said something like, hey, teach me to walk on the water. What a cool trick. Or I would have said, hey, Jesus, teach me to multiply, uh, multiply food. Can you imagine? You buy one donut, then poof, got a whole dozen. Like, I, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I would have been asking for. But the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, they were Jews. The disciples were Jews, yes? Jewish people were not strangers to the concept of prayer. It's not like that they didn't know what prayer was because they had seen prayer their entire life. They had been around people who prayed their entire life. They just saw a different version of prayer that Jesus practiced. That's why when they came to Jesus, they said, show us how you pray. Because what they had seen their whole life was different than what they saw in Jesus. See, when the Pharisees prayed, they had saw Pharisees pray their whole life. How do you know they saw Pharisees pray? Because Pharisees were loud and very open and demonstrative. They were out in public. The Bible says they would often beat their chest. They wanted everybody to see them pray. But when they saw Jesus pray, Jesus got up in the early morning while everybody else was asleep. He snuck up into the mountains and prayed privately. They saw Jesus sacrifice to pray. pray. They saw Jesus had a conviction to pray. He wasn't praying to be seen. He was praying to get results. And when they saw Jesus' prayer, they said, hey, teach us to pray like you. This was different. This wasn't prayer for them to be seen. This was prayer because he was hungry. It was private prayer. So the first thing we learned from Jesus, I'm going to give you a a list here. The first thing we learned from Jesus is that we need to be deliberate about prayer. Are you ready to go on a journey with me? Because I'm going to give you a bunch of points and I'm going to give them to you real fast, okay? What did verse 1 say? Jesus was in a certain place praying. Hello? Hello? You can't wait for emergencies to happen to start praying. Prayer has to be something you plan for. Listen to what it says. Jesus was in a certain place praying, not just any place. This means and indicates that Jesus had a time and a place set aside because he was dedicated to prayer. When you think about the things that Jesus had to do, the important decisions he had to make, you understand why prayer was so important to him. He had to think about this. When he picked his disciples, the Bible says he prayed before he picked his disciples. Thank God he did. Because you and I wouldn't have picked Peter. No, we would not have picked big mouth Peter. We wouldn't have picked open mouth and insert foot Peter. You don't want to hear a preacher if he don't dress a certain way. You don't want to listen to a pastor if he don't do exactly the way you want him to do stuff. And Peter was cussing out little girls. You wouldn't have picked Peter. But thank God Jesus picked Peter because on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and preached and thousands of people got saved because Peter was the right choice, but you don't get the right choice without proper prayer. I wonder if we pray about our choices long enough. Most of us make the choice and then pray it was the right one. Jesus prayed that he would make the right choice. You and I get into masses and then pray either that God will help us make it the right choice or get us out of what we already prayed for. John, John, Peter Peter was one problem, but then you've got John who was the beloved. It's easy to love John, but you wouldn't think that John was going to get exiled, spend years on an island, boiled in oil three times and they couldn't kill him. And God was going to give him a revelation that you and I are still wondering about today. That's John. Jesus had to choose John. And by the way, and I'm going to preach a sermon on this not too many weeks in in the future. He also had to choose Judas. Because had it not been for Judas loving money more than he loved Jesus, Judas wouldn't have betrayed Jesus and Jesus wouldn't have went to the cross. And you got to be deep in prayer to understand the value of your enemies. See, I I want you to understand, I wonder if we pray about our decisions long enough. So Jesus gives us the blueprint on how to get bread at midnight. And we're going to start in Matthew's gospel, and we're going to go through this prayer in Matthew's gospel. Verse 6, Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door behind you. Leave the negativity outside. Leave the doubt and fear on the other side of the door. If you're going to pray, don't fear. If you have fear, don't bother praying. If you have doubt, don't bother praying because they can't coexist. He says, go alone into a certain place. In other words, you have to be deliberate about prayer. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Life runs on schedules, right? I do this every week. Somebody will get a hold of me and say, hey, how about this date? And I'll have to to tell them every time the same thing. Let me check. Okay, my schedule. Everything runs on schedules these days, right? Everything. uh, Life is so fast and so full that everything has to run on schedule. You don't get to go to work whenever you feel like. You have a schedule. Well, I guess I I thought, I thought, I, I have a schedule. I guess you people just do whatever you want to do. Maybe you've got that new disorder that other people have. I don't know if you've heard about this new disorder. It's called time blindness. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? So, so, new, uh, so young people are going out and applying for jobs, and they want, they want to ask the boss, is it important that I get here at a certain time? Because I have a disorder that's called time blindness. It's a real thing. To look it up. It's a real thing. So, so they tell them, say, if you're real strict about having to start at a certain time, I probably can't work for you because I have time blindness. So they want companies, whole companies to adjust their way of doing life and business and practice because they can't read a clock. And so so this is this is the world you and I are now living in. And and, and but but in reality, things run on schedules. You got to pick your kids up from school at a certain time. They don't want your kids. You need to be there when school's out because that <laughs> they don't want you to leave them there well I have time blindness I didn't realize school had been out for four hours you got to pick the kid up from school you got to get them home get them changed get them to the restaurant get them something to eat some groceries down their neck so you can get them to the ball field then you got to get them from the ball field back to the house get them in the uh, shower get them in the bath so you can get them into the bed so you can get back up and do the whole thing all over again tomorrow and if you forget to plan one of those things something will get missed who knows what I'm talking about Okay, there's schedules and most of us are so busy that if we don't plan and arrange for things in advance, something important will get missed. But what you may not think about is that the same thing's true about prayer. If you want prayer to happen, you better schedule it. Now there's a lot of times you need to spontaneously pray. Somebody will come up to you and have a need, and you need to drop everything and pray right then and there. Something will happen in your life, and you need to spontaneously pray. But what I'm trying to talk about is daily prayer. You need to schedule daily prayer. People tell me all the time, I'm just too busy to pray. Then you're too busy. Because prayer is like oxygen to your lungs. If you're wondering why your world is so chaotic and full of dysfunction, it's because you haven't prioritized the one thing that's going to center everything else in your life. You can't outwork it. You can't outearn it. You can't get your mind in a right place. Without it, you need to discipline yourself to have daily moments alone. Shut the door behind you and talk to your Father in private. And if you don't schedule it, hear me, it won't happen. Now, now, I'm going to give you a caveat. And some of you won't like me saying this because I'm going to not sound very spiritual. I don't always like to pray. Sometimes I don't feel very spiritual. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. Now, I'm going to be praying for five hours going down the road today, on and off. But sometimes I just don't feel like praying. But there's also times you don't feel like going to work. Hello? But you still go, right? Like, like there's times you would rather be somewhere else. You say, yeah, all the time. But you still go to work. Do you know why? Because you still get paid even if you don't want to be there. Listen, you you may not want to be at work. You may have druthers. You, You may rather be somewhere else. But because you showed up, you still get paid. So there are times that you won't necessarily feel like praying, but just because you show up, your Father who sees everything in private will reward you. So even though you don't feel like being there... You're going to get paid for being there. Tell your neighbor, say, just show up. Just, just show up. Tell, tell three or four people, just show up. Yeah. It, it, the first step is making room for prayer in your life. Now listen to what Jesus goes on to say, verse, six, uh, or verse 9 in chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I'm going to give you the blueprint. Are you ready? This is the blueprint for how to get bread at midnight. Your fa- our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. It starts, prayer starts with worship. I got one witness from one person in the whole room. Because your three-minute prayer is, God, this is what I need. This is when I need it. And this is how fast you need to get it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I just quoted your three-minute prayer. But prayer shouldn't begin like that. Prayer shouldn't begin with your hand out. The first thing you should do is recognize you're a good father. Above you, there is no other. The reason I'm praying to you but is because there's no better source for me to pray to. Our Father, who art in he- You are in heaven. You are above my situation, and You are good to me. It, had it not been for You already working on my behalf, I wouldn't have made it this far already. Thank You for being who You are. I worship You in heaven. I know You're not here with me. I am down below. I am underneath You, but I worship You in Your heavenly heights. I worship You. See, our prayer starts with worship. Then we move verse ten to will. So, so we move from worship to will. Verse 10, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose will? God's will. God, I put you before my career. I put you before my marriage. I put you before my kids before anything that happens in my life, before my ambitions, before, I want you, Lord. I want your will in my life. God, God, I want your will to be accomplished through me. I don't want anything as much as I want what you want for me. Even if I don't see it, even if I don't understand it, God, I want your will operating in my life. I recognize, God, that I have chased my will too many times, and by chasing my will, I have messed up royally. So now, God, I want what you want for me. Open doors that you want open and close doors in my faces that i 'm trying to walk through see that see see here's here 's the thing that you don 't understand this is when I start praying for my family i haven 't even got to my desires i 'm praying for his will because I want for my kids what he wants for them so, so, I start praying for my wife. God, work through my wife. Make her the woman of God that you want her to be. Make her words powerful and full of thunder. Hide your word in her heart so that she doesn't walk away from you. I start praying for my kids, and I call them out name by name and line by line. I pray for my grandbaby who don't even know I'm praying for her yet. I pray. Listen, this is when this is when we pray for you. And and I start praying, God, work your will in their life. And I know some of you have asked me, Pastor, pray for this job, or pastor, pray, and, and that's fine and dandy. But you, you got to understand, when I'm praying for you, I'm actually praying God, have your will in their life because they need you, even if they don't know that they need you. They need you. This, this is when I start praying that my kids will seek God above everything else, that they will fall in love. When, when I pray for my kids, I, I pray, God, I don't care if they want to go to college. But make them love you. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm never going to be proud of them for, for the position they hold in life. But God, I want them to desire you above all things. Prick their heart. Pursue them. Chase them down. And don't ever give up chasing them until they fall madly, deeply in love with you. God, I want want them to love you. I want them to love your church. And not just in my generation, but generation after generation. If you don't come back to claim your own, cause my family lineage to be in your will. And by the way, I don't just pray for them right now. I pray for their future. I'm just going to say it. I pray, God, bring my hand to somebody that loves you and your son. And I'll tell you, if you believe that you can pray somebody into people's lives, you better believe that you can pray them out of their lives too. Prayer changes things. And when you look at your young and you see them going off track, you say, God, I prayed too long for my baby to have a distraction of hell coming and, and taking them away from me. Shut that door and... They won't listen to me, but God, they will have to listen to you if you move them out of their life. Take the scales off of my baby's eyes so they can see that they are nothing but a distraction to you and your will. That's how you pray in the will. Then you pray for want. You see how this is progressing. We went from we we we've went from worship to will. Now we finally get down to verse eleven. Give us today the food we need. This is the want. God, I thank you that you're going to provide all of my needs according to your riches and glory. God, I thank you for making me the head and not the tail. I thank you that you have made me above and never beneath. That no matter how bad the economy of this world is, your economy is not sheltered from this. Your economy is not tied up by this. It's not affected by this. It's not hindered by this. Lord, I don't want to look outside of you for anything. I want you to be my source. I want you to be my supply. You alone, oh God, are my provider. So I can go to God and ask Him to provide anything. James says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Some of us think we are more holy because we, well, I don't want to ask God. I'm just going to take this little penance that I have. Why? Are you a parent? Do you not take pleasure in seeing your children blessed? And if you be evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more than your Father in heaven would love to give good gifts to you. I've heard it and I've done it all. I've said it all. I've tried to be so holy too and never ask God for nothing. So, So when you want a job, you just say, God, give me a job. Well, number one, if you don't ask, you don't get. So at least you're asking. But could you be a little more specific? Because I've seen some of y'all come up and ask for a job, and then we prayed you into one, and then you come up and say, can you pray me for another one? You'd be trying to get loose from the very thing we prayed you into. You're looking for a house? You say, God, I need a house. Well, you might want to end. You, you might want to specify that a little bit. B- because you might end up with just anything. You might want to pray, God, give me a house I can afford. You might want to say, Lord, give me a house that's big enough for me and all these youngins. You might want to say, God, give me a a house that's got a yard big enough so I can let the dog outside. God, give me a house with a bathroom big enough that I can't sit on the commode and soak my feet in the tub and wash my hands in the sink all at the same time. (laughs) So you might want to be a little more specific. If you're single, make a list. Start praying a list. Start calling out the details of what you want in your life and what you don't want in your life. If you're going to pray, you might as well be specific. Father, she might be fine, but if she can't cook canned corn, (laughs) she don't have to be Julia Child, but can she at least make microwave dinners? I I, I mean, you might want to be a little more specific. Lord, he might have baby blues, but if he don't have a J-O-B, keep him out of my... (laughs) Lord, if they don't love you, I don't want to love them. Hello? If they have addictions, if they have anger issues, if they have a jealous tendency, Lord... I am not Chip or Joanna Gaines. I'm not looking for a fixer-upper. Keep them out of my life. (laughs) So you need to be specific. If you know the value of having the right people in your life, you need to pray for God to put the right people in your life. God, you know what them people say about me when they're not in my face. You heard what they said about me when I wasn't there. And if they are nice to my face, but stabbing me in the back when I'm not around, God, as much as I love them, I don't need them. Hello? And if you mean that, God will prune people out of your life because He knows what you are... Valued at, he knows what you're capable of, and he wants to see you reach your heights. And the only way you'll do that is if people add and multiply their gifts to yours, not subtract and divide. So, if you really mean it, get ready, God will start cutting people loose from your life. Don't mourn them once they're gone because it's the answer to your prayers. Uh huh. Be specific about what you want and believe that He is a good father who wants to give you good and perfect gifts. That's what James says. So this is a good time for you to ask the question, why are you settling for less than what you want? The rest of my sermon is going to hinge on that question. Why are you settling for less than what you want? Well, this is what God wants from me. Is it? Or is it that you stopped asking? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Because... We went all the way down to verse 12 and and now we get to verse 12 and we see it's time for warfare. Verse 12 says, And forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, you memorized that scripture differently, didn't you? Because you memorized the King James Version. And what does the King James Version say there? Forgive us of our... Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, let me ask you a question. What is a trespass? Trespass means I went somewhere I wasn't supposed to go. That means what I'm saying is, God, forgive me for trespassing, for going places you forbid me to go and doing things that I shouldn't have done. All the while, forgive those who did the same thing to me. Because my access to God's forgiveness is directly tied to my willingness to give forgiveness. Now, I really thought you'd go quiet on that point. Because all of us wants God's forgiveness, but few of us wants to offer God's forgiveness. And I'm not diminishing your pain. I know some of you have been done wrong. All of us at some point has been done wrong. Somebody did you dirty. Somebody uh, crucified your reputation. Somebody slandered your name. Somebody scandalized you with lies. All of us have been wounded by other people and done wrong. But the Bible says if we're going to receive forgiveness, we have to be willing to give it. As well. And then it goes on to verse 13 it says, And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay, we're in warfare. Look at your neighbor and say, This means war. Okay? And I'm glad Jesus told this story in Luke chapter 11. I'm glad he told the story of your friend coming over. Can you imagine your friend coming over at midnight and you're already into bed? Now, i got a pug that's about to lose his mind if somebody's knocking on my door at midnight. And you probably think, like I would, if they are knocking on my door at midnight, something is terribly wrong, right? So you're going to break your neck. i got a CPAP machine. I'm unstrapping myself. Falling out of the bed, I've got a pug that's about to lose his mind, he's barking his head off, I'm running to the door, I have no idea who it is, I'm checking the phone to see what the ring camera, because you don't open, it's 2023, you don't just open the door, you check first, right? You check your ring, your doorbell camera, it's a friend. You open the door and say, what's wrong? And they say, hey, some folks came by my crib tonight and I ain't got nothing to eat, you got any leftover pizza? All the lights in my house was off. It is midnight. You know I go to bed before now. You coming over here asking me for leftover pizza because somebody came to your house ain't got nothing to do with me. Our friendship is null and void after this night. But I'm glad Jesus put this story in the Bible or I would not know that prayer is supposed to be like an obnoxious neighbor who doesn't understand boundaries. See, my personality is like this. I ask you one time. I'm just, I'm being transparent. I'm the kind of person to ask you one time. And if you say you're going to do it, I don't, I don't like to bother you because I feel like I'm being a pest. And if you told me you would do it, I take you at your word. And, and I don't feel like asking you over and over and over and over again because I just assume that you're going to get it done. And I feel like a pest. And in my, with my personality, I would be the kind of person that would pray one time And then I would just say, Well, God knows. And I would leave it alone. But that's not what the scripture said. He said, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So he says, Ask and keep on asking. In other words, it may not work the first time you ask, but that doesn't mean you stop asking. Yes, God knows. But we've already found out in this, in this series that sometimes, and if you was here Sunday night, we talked about that second heaven, sometimes you've got to keep praying because there's warfare going on above your head that you don't even understand, and you don't even privy to it. You don't see what's happening, so you've got to keep praying because you're punching holes through the glory cloud that is trying to get your blessing down to you. God answered when you said your prayer, but you have to keep asking and keep knocking and keep seeking. Have you ever had somebody come knocking at your door and they were not discouraged by your lack of response? I was working on this building. I was painting the outside. If you don't know, um, this building hasn't always looked like this. And I was painting the outside of this building. I was on a man lift in the front of the building, 35 feet in the air. The only person in the building was Israel. I have no idea where he was, probably in the boiler room or one of these other rooms, probably painting or something. But we're the only two people here. And two little kids was out selling candy bars. And I saw them from 35 feet in the air. They came to this door and knocked. They were not discouraged by our lack of response. Because after I checked the security cameras after they left, they came to the back door and knocked. And still not discouraged. They went to the north door and knocked. And then they finally made their way around to the front of the building where I was above their head and they don't even see me. And they came to the front door and knocked. And I saw their little heads. Shameless persistence. And they got me. I came down from 35 feet and bought some candy bars. I didn't want no candy bars. I was busy. The sun was hot and I needed to be painting. But their shameless persistence, they wouldn't quit. And I'm telling you that sometimes you got to approach heaven the same way. Hello? Is anybody hearing me? Is there anybody in there? Listen. What is in that prayer closet is too important for you to give up. If it's your children, if it's your healing, if it's your fullness, if it's your wholeness, you have come too far to quit praying now. It is not time for you to lay down. It's time for you to encourage yourself in the Lord and pray again. Pray one more time. Shameless persistence. Yeah. Some of you got grown prodigals. Keep knocking. I thought I might get an amen right there. Let me share something with you. Next month, my wife and I are supposed to go to Cleveland, Tennessee, to one of the most prestigious church of gods in the entire movement, one I had the pleasure of preaching at in January. It's one of the oldest and one of the most established church of God. The South Cleveland, Church of God, and we're supposed to go next month and listen to Jared preach a sermon in that pulpit. Now you hear me. That don't mean I've stopped praying. That doesn't mean I've stopped knocking. Some of you got sickness in your body and you're just coming in and going out and coming in and going out. No, 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 no. Now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to keep knocking, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep looking, keep fighting. Because listen to me, if you think you're strong enough to break these yokes off yourself, you are sadly mistaken. You are not strong enough to get through these strongholds. This is war. And you have to get yourself in alignment and find yourself a partner in Jesus Christ to come alongside of you and pray until something changes. So this is warfare. God, lead me toward you and away from the things that will trap me. Order my steps. Cause me to walk in the right direction. And God, I only want to hunger and thirst after you. Not the distractions that the enemy sends my way. This is how you take authority over the enemy. And all the weapons that he has pointed in your direction. Now we're we're a church that believes anything's possible. I mean, we say we do. We say we believe that anything's possible. Who's got sickness in your body that we we believe anything's possible. Who who has grown prodigals that need to come home. So we we believe anything's possible. Who who is maybe at the condition of want? You you know you do everything right, you pay your tithes, you, you're faithful, and, and yet you still can't get ahead. How, how many? We believe anything's possible. So what is hindering us? I'm going to ask the prayer team, if they would, and any of my staff that I've got available to come up here. Because I feel like we're about to get inundated with a lot of folks at this altar. If you would just, prayer team and my staff members, if you just come up here and make yourself available because... I don't know all of you, and I certainly don't know what all of you are going through right now, but we believe that anything is possible. So I'm going to ask you a question, what level do you need God to meet you at? Right here, right now. Is it, is it at the level of wants? like like, you have things that you want God to do, you need God to do you're desperate for but it doesn't seem like how much you try you take two steps forward and you get back, knocked back three steps if that's if that's your testimony then I want to invite you to come to prayer or how about forgiveness if you're sitting here right now and God has forgiven you but you haven't forgiven yourself I want to invite you to come to prayer or how about this you have accepted forgiveness but you're having a hard time letting go of what somebody else did and offering forgiveness to them I want to invite you to come for prayer what level do you need God to meet you at today is it warfare is it is it struggling to keep temptations out of your life like you claim that you have victory over an addiction but you keep falling back and then you get victory for a while and you keep falling back and you get victory for a while and you get lonely and you make bad choices you go out and do things you regret later and you see a cycle over and over and over again in your life what level do you need God to meet you at because this is where it stops when you receive prayer when you believe that prayer changes things when you believe that when you confess things and you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God and that two or three binding together breaks yokes of bondages. Maybe you need a physical healing and you've been praying and been praying and been praying and nothing has changed. Do you believe? Do you really believe that you can get bread at midnight? Do you believe things can happen today? Because if you don't believe it can change today, don't bother coming up here. But if you do, if if I have preached effectively enough that you have had a raising up of faith inside of you and you say, today, my life can change. Today, I can get healed. Today, I can see a breakthrough. Today, I can see a difference made in my life. I want you to get to this altar and I I don't want to invite you anymore. I don't want to call you anymore. But if you're here, whatever level you need God to help you, and maybe it's not just you, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've just grown stagnant. And you know you're supposed to believe, but you your faith levels just falling to the floor, and you need some encouragement. Get to this altar. Believe God to do something. If you believe, your life can change today. God, this is my midnight hour. I need bread. I need bread. God, I. God, I need bread. I'm desperate. I don't want to walk out of here carrying the burdens that I've been carrying. I've done this enough, God, over and over and over and over again. Let today be different. Let this be my day. People coming from all over this building. Shh. God, see your people. Hear their cries this morning. They need bread. They need bread. Hallelujah. This is the midnight of their souls. God, they're desperate for bread. My God.
1: up on the things, Lord, that we've asked you, God, because you know and you care and you love us so deeply. Father, I pray that you will bless the service, God, that it has been anointed, God, that you will bless your people as we leave today, God, we thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Amen. Long day, tough night, just one of those weeks, I feel stressed out.